0: There's uh, cup and handles, the 200 day moving average. We always talk about, you know, the negotiation, um, between you know, pivoting between, uh, lines of support and resistance. And then there's exhausting analysis written by like recently, I read the silver Institute's report about, you know, how much silver there is in the world and how much, um, So that's sort of the supply side and then how much demand there will be in the world for silver. And today, we're not going to talk about any of that. We're going to talk more about the emotional factor that drives price.
1: Well, hello there, my friends. Chris Marcus here with you for Arcady Economics and excited to bring you today's show, which is hosted by John Little of the Pickaxe.xyz and The Morgan Report. As I mentioned last week, he's going to be taking over the Wednesday show and really a lot of knowledge and insight and great delivery to share. So today he's going to talk about the emotion of trust and really how gold and silver are often a barometer of how people are feeling about the trust and stability in the system. So Think you're in for a treat. And with that said, let's hand it over to John.
0: Today is January 18th. I'm John Forrest Little of Arcadia Economics. And today's talk is Gold drops like a rock when people trust the system, and gold shoots like a rocket when they don't. So we're all familiar as precious metal people with all the technical analysis that's out there. There's fractals, um, Fidgen, Fibonacci patterns, there's uh, cup and handles, the 200 day moving average. We always talk about, you know, the negotiation um, between my, you know, pivoting between uh, lines of support and resistance. And then there's exhausting analysis written by like, recently I read the Silver Institute's report about You know how much silver there is in the world and how much um, so we that's sort of the supply side and then how much demand, there will be in the world for silver through the load in silver panels solar panels. um, mobile phones electronics the aerospace industry weapons, the healthcare industry jewelry Uh, we have some sort of idea that there's around three and a half to four billion uh, ounces of, you know, coins and bars out there. And today we're not going to talk about any of that. We're going to talk more about the emotional factor that drives price. And all I got to do is share a screen with you to get right into this emotion. And when I think of the emotion of trust, which is the thesis of this article, it reminds me of the time that I got married. I got married in El Paso, Texas. And when we got married, we weren't assigned or prescribed or mandated by the church to take any lessons, uh, you know, marriage counseling, but the state of Texas required it. And I think they did so um probably to cut down a little bit on the cost of you know what is the social cost of divorce but nevertheless you know i was dreading these courses um men in general cannot stand anything that comes close to counseling or getting involved in touchy feely subjects and that's a generalization but these were helpful lessons but the number one thing we talked about is trust and this isn't just about like fidelity this The trust was sort of an overarching theme and at times if I'm getting in a fight with my wife i'll haul out my uh, workbook that we had uh, and say let's visit the triangle of trust and so today we're going to talk a little bit about trust so trust is an emotion. um, And what sort of things are sort of undermining that trust, but before I do that, I want to talk a little bit about. The headwinds that face gold and silver and these headwinds are sort of like a triple threat, or you could say you've heard of a double barrel shotgun right, so this is like the triple barrel shotgun that still hasn't been invented yet, but let's just call it a triple threat threat number one is the media. So the media is always running hit pieces on gold and silver. And a hit piece is just sort of um, a euphemism for a negative piece on gold and silver. You can always see a positive piece on crypto or other equities or real estate or many assets that are sort of touted in Bloomberg or CNBC or Yahoo Finance, but silver took this huge jump um, enjoyed uh, an increase of over 30% between September and um, December of last year. And had this happened with Tesla, you know, Tesla or Amazon or Netflix, or Google or Facebook, you know, it would have been hats and horns, we used to say that meaning party hats, noisemakers like the, you know, New Year's celebration. Um, But again, it we had sort of a media blackout because it was silver, or we say crickets, it was silver. Um, so the second leg of the triple threat would be the strength of the Dixie, which is you know backed by 400 PhDs working for the Fed, uh, the US government, uh, the US military. So I call that the trifecta or the triumvirate. Um, and I love this graphic because it's sort of in you know, memes are awesome because in one image, you sort of convey what you're trying to say here. And we cannot really um, talk much about silver and gold without saying what a departure we've gone from um, it being backed by gold or real things. And in subsequent talks, we will talk about, you know, the East or bricks actually returning to these days and how that does will be very bullish for silver and gold. So, we talked about media being one, uh, the Dixie strength two, and then market manipulation being three. I think we all know a little bit what that is, but a derivative. Um, a derivative is something that derives value from its underlying asset. So, it would be the paper representation of physical silver, physical gold, and the endless swaps of these, um, you know, a whole years worth of mining activity in terms of volume can be traded in a day or two. So those are the triple threats. So let's see how well silver and gold have really done. They were both fairly flat for the year. So there's been quotes out there that say in a recession or a depression, you know, the key is not necessarily winning the game, but not losing your shirt. So silver and gold stayed flat. I think they had maybe a one or 2% gain, Um, but Compare that to these blue chip stocks. You know, they had did 73% better than Tesla or, you know, two thirds better than Facebook. And, you know, popular um, microprocessing stocks like AMD and Nvidia, you know, up close to 60%, you know, 50% better than Amazon, which is, remember we kept hearing that Amazon uh used to be in the old days we'd say god walmart's killing all of mom and retail they're just wiping everyone out and then amazon steps up you know 10 years later and and's really the number one game in town yet gold and silver in spite or despite of the triple threat you know are killing google disney microsoft apple and here is gold versus the s&p 500 and versus the Dow and versus the uh, tech heavy NASDAQ. And here it is against every other asset class. So I want to talk a little bit about that emotion of trust and the things that undermine the trust. And really, it's a twofold sort of scenario. One would be the overt lies that we're hearing, lies such as we're not in a recession um inflation is putin's fault um it's a good thing to have a 1.75 trillion dollar uh, omnibus spending bill it's okay for um washington congress people whether they're senators or house of rep people to buy and sell energy stocks after they've received classified intelligence briefings we call that insider trading you know we'd go to jail for that so you have to start looking at what is the theme here what and i'm going to tie and you can do the same thing just by doing your. i think all of us that listen to this show are sort of a little bit hip as to the volume of lies um and it's not just the lies like you would think of behind the iron curtain or in north korea uh where we would consider or the propaganda that we associated with um, in the fascist states of Italy and Germany and Spain during World War II, But what are we seeing now? And that's what I want to get to. And this is the spirit of distrust. So even last week, um, Fred President Bullard came out and said things like um, M2 is shrinking. And he was saying that thinking all those people out there think that uh, they're accusing us as, accusing us of all this money printing and creating inflation and all the memes of you know Burr goes the money printer. Uh, so they would come out and trot out uh, these talking heads to say no, no, M2 is shrinking. but is it sh- the reason it's shrinking is because people are taking out money from their savings just to get by, just to pay their bills. So M2 isn't shrinking what mean that really means is the economy is failing because we have what are called negative deposits. So then you think, well, if the Fed went so far as to say we're not in a recession, the reason they did that be, is because they're hiking at such a fierce rate. Look at this, look at the intensity they're hiking. We've never seen this. In this chart you'll see all the trajectories of you know recent past hikes and this is by far the most aggressive trajectory we've ever seen and you just have to ask yourself why and it's my thesis it's to to by wrecking the economy you're going to get that demand destruction that so that's the playbook on cooling inflation the inflation that you created Mr. Powell or the Fed or the US government, or the people that are complicit in this scheme. If you kill the people you know, through problems in the economy, I guess that's demand destruction, but I thought we were better than that. Let's go on. So what other devious things am I seeing that will be bullish for gold, but detrimental to society would be all the propaganda surrounding this recent war in Ukraine. And there's no discussion in the mainstream media how this whole back channel worked, where money was sent for, you know, you heard it all. We saw all the blue and yellow flags of support. I stand with Zelensky, I stand with Ukraine. Um, money was given in this sort of all these weapons given to Zelensky, who in turn, through FTX, Kicked it back to politicians um, to the tune of like $32 billion, to where all of a sudden a guy like Sam Bankman Fried was next to George Soros, the largest donor. You know, this guy was 28 or 29 years old when that happened. And that brings me to the point that we think of our system as a democracy. That's when you went to school, we heard about the three branches of government the executive, the legislative, the judicial, the checks, the balances. We have a democracy, which means you know, one person, one vote, the people decide, we have a representative. The classic definition of a representative would be to make present what is not present. So I can't go to Washington, so I they make present what is not present, the people's voice, they all go to Washington and they vote for us but we really don't have a democracy. Um, They say, well, it's more like a republic, or you could say, is it a plutocracy or is it like an oligarchy? You know, oligarchy and plutocracy, that's kind of ruled by an elite or ruled by a few, or would it be some smart people sitting in the ivory tower? That would be a different form or like a think tank maybe, you know, sort of like some of these, you know, Washington think tanks work. It's none of that. We have what's called a kleptocracy, which is sort of based, uh, similar to what you would see in a banana republic, um, where it's sort of based on corruption, kickbacks, and you know, out-and-out out theft. So now I want to get right into how these lies interconnect and how they relate to the price of gold. So why these lies? Like, let's just start with the Department of Energy. This just happened. In late December, uh, and I started paying attention to this because I write an energy column for David Morgan in his Morgan Report, and there's headlines made from California, from the department, no, it's the National Ignitions Lab. Sounds pretty fancy, right? And in California, they said, they had discovered nuclear fusion where more energy came out of this experiment than went that went in, so that it was like a net energy game, game like a perpetual motion machine of some kind. Um, so the way it worked is there was supposed to be like a hydrogen cell and all these lasers were gonna be zapping the hydrogen cell. And then voila, we have more energy, that we're, we netted more energy from this experiment. And then I started thinking, oh, this is great. Maybe we don't have an energy problem. All of our, you know, this was something that could be a breakthrough almost like um, when they found um, an antibiotic when they were just, there was mold on cheese, you know, one of those breakthroughs. Great, so we don't have to die from a paper cut anymore, you know, I thought it was that good. And the more I looked into the experiment, the more I saw as it unwound that it was a big lie that they didn't count all the energy that the lasers had to suck off the power grid that went into it. So, and I'm thinking, well, why would they lie about that? You know, and it's all kind of goes back to the strategic petroleum reserves. Like why, why all of a sudden are you draining all the strategic petroleum reserves are a, a huge, the, the largest amount ever drained. And I thought, well, maybe they're just doing it to bring down the price of gas right before the midterms. That seemed like a plausible way. And I, and by thinking that, I was being sort of like this contrarian or a con- um, conspiracy theorist or just being cynical. But it sort of goes to this war on oil that I talked with Chris Marcus about just last week when we discussed what sort of mining effort it'll take to phase out fossil fuels. In other words, to electrify everything, um, it'll take a huge mining effort, because if the plan is to phase out the internal combustion engine, we're gonna need cobalt, graphite, lithium, zinc, silver, copper, and other minerals. And then, so I had to go through all these tables to see what that mining effort will be. And good news for anyone that's in the mining industry, you have job security for about a thousand years, and that's good news if you're in that industry or could be a stock tip you know get involved in mining so why the strategic petroleum lie and why this whole electrification lie and i'm thinking i'm thinking it goes further perhaps it goes to the fact that and it's similar to our money system if we hold gold and silver as money then we are less dependent on the fed coin or Fiat systems. Similarly, if we could have our own gas to power generators or our own vehicles, then by, and I'll even show you how it affects with this gas stove controversy. But by saying, let's just say you go after gas stoves. Why? Because you can turn off electric ones, just like you can turn off an electric car, just like you can turn off, Your electricity, which powers our um, laptops, and you have no crypto. And there was this ominous video that I discovered just last week, and you can find it where, and it's always some sort of scenario that the globalists trot out. I think a year ago, they were trotting out what to do for the next pandemic, what they're going to do if the banking system seized up. And this one was what would happen during a major cyber attack. And I just thought that is beyond a coincidence. So we all have to get ready. It makes much more sense to electrify everything because it's that much easier to turn off. It'd be like a kill switch, just like as we look forward to the CBDC, I say tongue in cheek, sarcastically, as we fear this monster, we know that it's programmable. We know that there'll be facial recognition. We know that there'll be a GPS locator we know that every transaction is traceable and we know it's coming because all you have to do is go to the whitehouse.gov and look at um, executive order one four zero six seven and there it is all spelled out for you, this is one of my favorite charts um, the no media coverage of. I talked again with Chris Marcus just last Wednesday about. They are transacting when I say they I mean China, Russia, Brazil, India, Saudi Arabia, um, most of Latin America, most of Africa, everyone that isn't United States, um, Japan, Europe, New Zealand and Australia, and this is an amazing chart. I mean, this goes along from 2013, all the way to 2021, you know, eight years of under a billion dollars per year in trade with Russia, then boom, war starts, and it shoots up to 5 billion. So it's a, I don't know, 500% increase. Um, We know we're in a recession. This is a big lie. Why else would there be huge layoffs from FedEx and Amazon? This is, you know, December, right before Christmas, right during peak season. And you got to think about these are sort of what we call leading indicators. I had a When I used to work at a golf course, there was this famous trader named Julie Golden at Four Hills Country Club. I was just in the bag room cleaning his golf clubs. And he's like, hey, kid, you want a tip? You know, he's chewing on a cigar. You want a tip, kid? I'm like, sure. I'm thinking he's going to say, hit an iron off the tee when there's water in front of the green. I I didn't know what he was going to say. But he said, hey, if uh, Coke's going up, or then buy Bacardi." You know, and I thought, if Coke is going up, then buy Bacardi. And he goes, because, you know, a rum and Coke, they go together. So think of things that go together. Um, one thing we can start looking at is other indicators that were in a recession. So I would say it's a pretty good lead indicator. FedEx is laying off people and Amazon are laying off people. We, we've got a big one coming. Facebook's laying off people, Redfin's laying off people. And this one blew my mind. Salesforce, I've worked all my life in sales and always had to work with, before we had what were called CRMs, Customer Resource Management, Um, and now the dominant software for the last 10 years has been Salesforce. So if this is the main tool that salespeople use. What do salespeople do? They bring the revenue into the company. So if Salesforce is laying off people That's about as good of a lead indicator you'll find out there. And today I was just bumping around the internet and I found the Empire State Manufacturing Survey. And if you look at the, um, go all the way to the right there, where we are today, and it is equal to um, the depths of the 2008, 2009 Great Financial Collapse. Trucking is weakening. Lumber's back down to pre-pandemic issues. Um, Here we are with the non-farm payroll data. Um, Full-time employment is down Um, 490,000. But this, to me, symbolically, could be the biggest tell. You know, tell is you're playing poker with someone, and every time the guy's bluffing, he may uh, touch his nose. That's a tell. So I would say every time. Uh, When the king was up to nefarious things, or about to do something unscrupulous, he may build a wall or a moat around the castle. Here we are in in DC, and I was telling Chris Marcus, um, maybe a month ago, uh, that I was going to DC to watch this wall, and I just, we went somewhere else instead because I underestimated the time it would take to get there. but. If they're building a wall around the Federal Reserve, you can bet um, there's some negative sentiment in society surrounding uh, trust in the system. So thank you for tuning in today. Uh, We will see as gold and silver spikes that there's a direct relationship. It's sort of a negative inverse between the degree of trust in government trust in global and local monetary policy and the price of gold and silver. So as trust or distrust increases, so does the price of gold. And that is all from John Forrest Little. Thank you for tuning in to Arcadia Economics.
1: Well, thank you, John. Great video. Appreciate everything that you shared there. I think you laid out a lot of good points and hopefully you had fun watching that one at home be great to have John going forward on Wednesdays, and we'll look forward to see what he has in store for us next week. Real quick before we wrap up, would like to thank Raina Silver who brought us today's video, and Raina who's been exploring three projects for high-grade district-scale assets. And one of those projects is Medicine Springs in Nevada, where they did get back some of their first drill results yesterday. And Raina Silver intercepts high-grade silver at Medicine Springs, including... 2.4 meters of 1021 grams per ton silver that was from hole ms 22-01 they also had another hole that came back with 186 grams per ton silver over 7.4 meters including 274 grams per ton silver over 4.7 meters along with 5.6 percent lead and one and a half percent zinc Quick comment here from Dr. Peter McGaw, who is the lead technical advisor of Reina. And he mentioned successfully intercepting Bonanza grade mineralization in such a thick host rock section, lets us confidently check off two of the most important features we wanna see in an early carbonate replacement deposit exploration program. So I'll have the link to that press release. I know we have a lot of Rena fans in our audience and the link to that will be in the description field below. So thanks again to Raina for bringing us today's video actually caught up with them this morning and you'll see them on the show tomorrow. You get to catch up with Jorge Ramiro Ramore of Reina Silver. And with that said, we'll wrap up for today, but I will see you again tomorrow.